another episode of 10 Things They Like here on Keyboard Kimura, presented to you by One Bone. I'm Eastman Kite, rocking the One Bone hat, rocking the One Bone blush. My favorite pickup of the last little while came out as a special little mini launch, a little mini collection. Had to get it because a dude with my skin can actually rock colors like this without it really looking not so great. And so, shouts to the boys. I appreciate the appreciate the drop, appreciate the color, appreciate the change to my wardrobe. It's not all blue, blacks, and grays. We're rocking the blush. We are here today to talk about UFC Singapore, which takes place on Saturday from Singapore Indoor Stadium in Kalang, Singapore. We'll get right to it. Item number one, Max Holloway is fighting. This is one of those easy ones for me, and I think it should be one for everybody that identifies as a fight fan. Max Holloway, for the last decade, decade has been one of the most entertaining, consistently exciting fighters that we have on the roster. His run of success that carried him to the featherweight title began in Singapore with a second round stoppage win and knockout of the night bonus over Will Chope. He returns this weekend to take on Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie in the main event. It means we get an opportunity to potentially see 25 minutes of Max Holloway doing Max Holloway things. And I, for one, am here for that all the time. As much as I have questions about what we do with Max going forward, how we book him going forward, his place in the division, things of that nature, all of that stuff takes a back seat to just getting to see my guy step out there into the octagon and do his thing. I can watch that fifth round of the fight with Calvin Cater nonstop on a loop forever. The loop that's going around this week of Max talking to the commentary desk and delivering that look off right hand and all the different stuff that happened in that fight where he was fully into it, all the way dialed in, all the way on on his own shit is amazing. I Seriously, I'm transfixed every time I see it. And now Saturday, I get to watch him step in there against the guy in the Korean zombie that is going to bring the fight to him, that is going to give him every opportunity to be the Max Holloway that we know and love. I will say that I think he slowed down a little bit in the fight against Arnold Allen. Now, maybe that was taking your foot off the gas a little bit just to be a little safer against a young, ascending, dangerous fighter in Arnold Allen. Maybe it is all the accumulated rounds starting to catch up to Max that, you know, closing in on 32 here at the end of the year. He's not quite the same guy he was at 27, 28, 29 as he made that ascent. But he's still Max Holloway. And he's still going to go out there and throw loads of volume and take the fight to the Korean zombie and do Max Holloway things. I know he is fighting with a heavy heart this week because of all the stuff that has happened on Maui to the people of Lahaina. Spoke to him about it. It is part of the feature that is up on UFC.com right now. I'm really happy and, and feel honored that Max was able to talk to me and willing to talk to me about that stuff. But I also know that he will carry that out there into the octagon in an effort to give even a momentary respite for some people to enjoy his fight, to enjoy his performance and see him compete and and see the strength of the Hawaiian people in practice inside the octagon. Love seeing Max fight. This weekend is no different. Can't wait for it. Item number two, crucial veteran light heavyweight matchup. Talked yesterday on one thing about, or sorry, but on, on one question, this is 10 things 
about Anthony Smith and sort of what version of him are we going to get on Saturday in his fight against Ryan Spann. But Ryan Spann factors into this as well. He's in a challenging position himself. He's coming in off a loss to Nikita Krilov that slowed his role, that slowed his momentum just when it seemed like Ryan Spann was starting to put it together and maybe make a little run. That got derailed. So this, to me, is a really crucial fight for each of these guys. I want to see if Anthony Smith can dial it back up, can go out and have a performance similar to one that he had last time out against Ryan Spann, which is the last time he got a victory. I want to see if Ryan Spann has learned from any of these mistakes, from any of these decision-making challenges that have plagued him inside the octagon thus far. I think this is one of those fights where the winner is going to stay solidified in that middle section of the 205-pound rankings. But the, the losing fighter, the vanquished fighter, has the potential to slip right out of the top 15. Because as much as 205 is always shallow, there are new names coming. There are more people starting to work their way forward. And I think we're going to get to see some more of those fighters over this last four-month stretch of 2023 that are going to be in a position to maybe overtake some of these guys that are struggling, that are in their 30s already, that haven't ever really gotten over that, that hurdle, that whatever hurdle it is that is still in front of them. And so this one, to me, tells us a lot, not only about the future of Anthony Smith, but of Ryan Spann as well. And as a fan of both of these guys, as someone that has always thought Ryan Spann had the potential, had the ability to maybe take that next step and maybe get into being a legitimate contender, I want to see if he can dial it up this weekend. Item number three, the return of Giga Chikadze. As much as I said yesterday on one question that I'm not really sure where he fits and what are we going to get, I'm really looking forward to seeing Giga back in the cage. He is somebody that, listen, I don't want to go 20 months, almost 24, you know, almost two years without seeing Giga Chikadze fight. He is a great dude, first and foremost. All the philanthropic work he does, all of the work he does in terms of working with cancer charities and things of that nature, amazing. You want to see guys like that thrive. You want to see guys like that succeed. And then you get him in the cage and look, you give me somebody that'll beat the hell out of your body with kicks, that'll go high with kicks, that'll just beat you up and get into fist fights. All of it. Give me all of it. Give me all of it. I've seen the rounds, seen the video, excuse me, this week, the finish of Jamie Simmons making the rounds again. And it's just such a great setup. His kicks are, they look the exact same, whether he's going body or head. That's amazing. Love seeing that. And I love this fight. This is a real litmus test fight and a real like measuring stick of where Giga is as he steps in with Alex Caceres on Saturday. It's a tough fight. Alex Caceres can get the biggest win of his career 13 years into his UFC career. That's a cool, that's a cool story coming out of this. That could be one of the 10 things. Can Alex Caceres get the biggest win of his career this far into his career? A chance to really move forward and into the top 10 for the first time in his career this far in. I think this is a fascinating matchup. I really want to see dynamically, stylistically, how it plays out. I think we will see Alex Caceres try to grapple and not just stand in space and stand at range with Giga because that's dangerous. That's when you get hit with those kicks. But this is a fascinating fight. Happy to see Giga back finally. 
after he has been out since January 2022. Let's see if he can get it moving in the right direction. Let's see what he brings back to the featherweight division starting on Saturday. Item number four, Morinya Nakamura. He didn't make my list of top prospects in the UFC that I put out earlier this year at OSDB Sports. And I think I might be regretting that. He should have at the very least been part of an honorable mention because at 28 years old, he feels like somebody that has the opportunity to make a real quick rise. I talked about this yesterday. I think he is the kind of guy that if he goes out here on Saturday and runs through Fernie Garcia, which I believe he is capable of, then we should just find out real quickly where he fits in this division. We should give him that extra push because so far he has looked amazing. And for me, as a guy that is often thinking two, three, four years down the road, these are opportunities that I relish. These are the, these are the moments that I cherish. Let me see a second appearance in the octagon officially. Let me see him against somebody that comes from a great camp, Fernie Garcia coming from Fortis MMA and a coaching staff that is going to work with him and coach him up to where he is fully prepared. This isn't a guy that's getting over, going to get overwhelmed or run over because he doesn't belong in there and he's ill-prepared. He will be prepared. How this plays out is going to tell us a great deal about Rinya Nakamura, who I think has the opportunity to be a top 15 fighter next year, maybe even a top 10 fighter next year. And I know that is saying a lot because this division is amazing. I think this kid is the goods and I really look forward to seeing him compete on Saturday, get out there, see if he can pick up a second consecutive UFC victory and then start making some moves. I really do believe we will see him fight facing top 15 opposition early next year, if not in the very late stages of this year, depending on how quickly he wants to turn it around and get another fight in. Really looking for it. He's so good. He has looked so good. The skill set is so great. The wrestling is legitimately world-class. I think we throw that term and that phrasing around way too liberally, but he is a former under 23 world champion. So he is legitimately world-class. The hands have looked very good. The submission game has looked very good. Can't wait for this one. Item five, flyweight title elim eliminator. Easy for me to say. Aaron Blanchfield versus Tyler Santos is a fight that in February was booked to be a main event. I wish it were a five-round fight here. I can't believe, though I understand, that it is fourth on the main card slate this weekend, maybe even fifth now that I'm thinking about it. This is a fantastic fight. It is fifth. Jesus. This is a fantastic fight. And the winner of this, as I talked about yesterday, should be next in line for the winner of the upcoming fight between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. In my opinion, regardless of who wins that fight, if Grosso wins, obviously, slam dunk, easy, easy. If Shevchenko wins, we get a little bit of a wrinkle because maybe we have to do a trilogy fight. But to me, it's unnecessary, as I talked about yesterday. And there's just built-in easy fixes, easy fit-ins with both Blanchfield and Tyler Santos, regardless of who wins this fight. Stylistically, dynamically, I'm really looking forward to this one because I want to see how Aaron Blanchfield does in the grappling exchanges against someone bigger, physically stronger, more physical than she is. Because right now, 
without seeing them in there. That's my assessment. Tyler Santos is the more physical of these two athletes on Saturday. But that doesn't mean that Aaron Blanchfield can't win these grappling exchanges and won't win these grappling exchanges and won't have success in that realm. She is lights out. We've seen that thus far. Now, this is another step up. This is another major test for the 24-year-old. But she's passed all of them with flying colors thus far. And if she gets through Tyler Santos, she will wrap the year as the number one contender and standing in line probably will be in Las Vegas for that fight between Grasso and Shevchenko when that takes place middle of next month. If Santos wins, you know she's calling for a title opportunity because she'll have beaten this rising star that has absolutely broken through in the last year. It's been less than 12 months, really, that Aaron Blanchfield has had this breakthrough, right? Madison Square Garden last November, and then the win over Jessica Andrade in February when Santos pulled out of the fight because her coach couldn't get a visa to come and corner her. If she comes out, goes from the split decision fight with Shevchenko last year in Singapore to this opportunity on Saturday and beating Aaron Blanchfield, she is absolutely deserving of another shot at the title. And I'm sure she will tell everybody that if she does get her hand raised on Saturday. Item six, Parker Porter versus the Tafa gang. I'm a simple man. I say it all the time on this dogs, pizza, fist fights. You want to give me park reporter taking on a second member of the Tafa family in under a year and really under eight months. I'm in, this is a cool story. I talked about it yesterday. Park reporter's story is one that I enjoy. It's one that I had a lot of fun telling and sharing with people this week on UFC.com. The fact that he goes out here against junior Tafa after getting knocked out in February by Justin Taffa. Junior was in Justin's corner. I'm sure Justin will be in Junior's corner. He gets a chance to get a measure of revenge. I joked with him when we spoke for that piece that is up now on the website that there might just end up being a third Taffa brother that comes along and is like, okay, now it's the rubber match if he gets a victory. This is just a cool story. It's also an interesting fight. Parker Porter has really, to me, established himself as a UFC competitor as one of those lower half guys in the heavyweight division that is perfect for these kinds of matchups, right? Junior Taffa, this is his second UFC fight. He's only four or five fights into his MMA journey. This is where we get a little bit of a measuring stick. The debut against Muhammad Usman was sloppy, was messy, wasn't particularly impressive and like give you a lot of reason to think this is a guy that can put it together. But I would have said the same thing about Justin Taffa at the start of his career. And I now think Justin is putting it together to where he's somebody that I want to see more of. And so Porter is a, a good measuring stick for Junior Taffa here. He's also a guy that can go out and get this victory, make it too straight, and keep moving forward, keep writing chapters in this ongoing story that I look forward to seeing more of and reading more of as we continue progressing. Item seven, another look at Garrett Armfield. So I talked about this as well a little bit yesterday on, on one question, but I always am interested in competitors that debut up a division, look okay, look solid, and then move back to their natural weight class. It sort of fits with the folks that show up on short notice and turn in good efforts or victorious efforts in the case of people like Joshua Van and Marcus McGee earlier this year. Armfield debuted up a weight class, 
was clearly outsized, outphysicaled by David Onama. Goes back down now to Bantamweight for this matchup on Saturday against Toshiomi Kazama. And I just want to see it, right? I just want to see what he can bring to the table. He trains with a great crew at Killcliffe FC. Showed some good wrestling. Has a little bit of hands. Had a great deal of success prior to that fight against David Onama. Admittedly, on the regional circuit and not one of the, to me, premier regional outfits, but still getting victories. All you can do is beat the people in front of you. And he was doing that. So let's just see. You never know when we're going to uncover and unearth somebody else. And I don't think that Garrett Armfield is going to go on to become the bantamweight champion, but can he become another person that's in this mix, in this division where we have loads of talent and every fight seems to be an entertaining interesting, competitive matchup that I enjoy seeing. I think he can. He profiles to me as a guy that can be a lower half of the division, always a tough out, consistently entertaining, good fun scraps, win some, lose some, always have a good time seeing him in there. So let's just see if that holds true. Kazama has a little bit of a wild man to him, is an attacker, is a hunter, got a good upset win, to advance to the semifinals on road to UFC last year. Got to walk over in the semis, then face off with Rini Nakamura, which there's not enough deep, there's not enough evidence yet, but I'm going to start right now, given that a, it's okay. That's one of those losses that I will give a pass to because I think Nakamura is that good. I think it will age well for Kazama. So let's see what Garrett Armfield looks like on Saturday in his sophomore appearance in the UFC octagon. Item number eight, a middleweight banger between Chidi and Jokuani and Mihao Oli Shechuk. Said it yesterday, said it earlier on the program. Simple man. Dogs, pizza, fist fights. My dog's downstairs. He will be hanging out with me as I watch the fights on Saturday morning. I had pizza for dinner last night. I will have leftovers for lunch today or maybe dinner tonight. And I get fist fights on Saturday morning. And this is going to be a fist fight. Chidi and Jokuani and Mihao Oli Shechuk are going to stand in the center of the octagon and try to beat the holy hell out of each other. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I understand that some people do not care about fights that don't carry ranked fighters into the octagon, that don't carry big stakes and big ramifications. And it's not a chance to see if this prospect is going to get better and move forward and all of those things. I get it. To each their own. You want to give me these two dudes that like knocking fools out working the body, working knees, working elbows. I'm in. I think Chidi and Jokowani won his last fight against Albert Duraev. He lost the split decision officially. I think Mihao Shechuk is far better than he showed in the fight against Kyle Bahayo, who just rightfully, understandably decided to wrestle him into oblivion before finishing him. But I think these two dudes, this might be an old Chris Lytle situation where they have a little handshake in the back and say, look, we're not wrestling, right? Nobody's shooting here. We're just going to, this is 15 minutes of stand up. May the best man win. Maybe, maybe they don't even need to have that little conversation in the back. Maybe it's just a telling nod. Maybe it's just a little, I got you. I'm your Huckleberry. Let's go. I think it's going to be an absolutely wildly entertaining fight bright and early on Saturday. And I can't wait. Item number nine. Rolando Bedoya's sophomore appearance. Fascinated by this fight 
against Song Kinan. Guys like Bedoya in their second appearance is an absolute must watch for me because he looked so good in that debut against Chaos Williams, who I think is a good fighter and is very much in that second 15 at welterweight. But the reason this second fight is so interesting to me, he has all of the positives from that first fight, all the goodwill, all the good vibes. Everybody's really high on him after that performance. And for a lot of people, they weren't high on him, myself included, weren't that high on him going into that fight against Chaos Williams. Comes out of it, looks good. We're all excited for the next one. But now he's a big favorite. And he's venturing overseas. And he's facing a guy that can crack a little bit. And yes, he's on two straight losses. Yes, both of them are stoppages. But Song Kinan is not a guy that you go in there and play around with and think, I'm just going to run through him. You have to be respectful. He put Ian Gary on his ass earlier this year, and Ian Gary is now knocking on the door of the top 10. So he's got the power to make you pay for mistakes. And situations like this, where you go from being unheralded and having zero expectations on you to being a considerable favorite, where there's a bunch of expectations and new eyes, are chances for me as somebody that's assessing athletes all the time to see a little bit of what that mental makeup is, to see a little bit of what that, you know, understanding and, and that the way you carry yourself, the way you execute, there was no pressure last time. There's a bunch of pressure this time. Maybe Bedoya doesn't feel it. And if he doesn't great, that's fantastic. But this is a bit of a pressure fight for him. You need to go out and show that the performance against chaos Williams wasn't just taking advantage of a guy that took you a little lightly and you came in with nothing to lose in your debut. If he goes out and, and beats Song Kinan quickly, that tells us something. If this is super competitive. It tells us something else. And so I just want to see it. Really liked the debut effort. Now let's see what he does in the sophomore showing. Item number 10, early morning start time. You had to know this one was coming. You had to know I was rapping with this. Prelims start at 2 a.m. Pacific time. The main card kicks off at 5 a.m. Pacific time, exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. Hat tip to Aaron Bronstetter. That means I will watch an entire fight card and be done by 9 a.m. Pacific time at the absolute latest, which means I can then get up and have breakfast. I can then hang out with my wife for the rest of the day and our dog for the rest of the day. I've got a concert to go to in the evening. I mean, you're going to give me people punching each other in the face before the sun comes up. I am here for it all the time. Family that's been in town for the last couple of weeks, they depart today, take them to the airport in a couple of hours. I will do all the laundry. I will set the den back up for my consumption of fights. I will get back in there for the first time in a couple of weeks this weekend and I just like, listen, I know that historically people overseas have dealt with these times and they don't like it because it's, because it's way early and it's gross. And, and this isn't quite what they're used to dealing with. I will take this anytime I'm in on this all the time. Now the absolute best is going to be like Paris or when they do London at a natural time for the region, which means I get not too early in the morning, 
but still early morning fights. But this one, I'm telling you, done by nine o'clock at the absolute latest. All the way here for it. Rapping with Max Holloway and Chan Sung Jung before 9 a.m. Go downstairs, make some bacon and eggs, and get on with my day. Sounds like a great way to kick off a Saturday to me. I love this fight card. I'm super excited about it. Got an itchy nose. Got to give that a little scratch. This is a card that I think is going under the radar. I think people, for whatever reason, and maybe it is that it is the hangover card, right? We're coming off 292 last week. Big moments, big stuff to talk about. Why I kind of advocate all the time for taking a break after pay-per-views, but I know that would be too many breaks in the schedule. So the UFC continues marching on, but this is a great card. This main card is outstanding. There's some interesting things on the prelims. We get them done nice and early. I think everybody should tune in. I hope you're getting excited. I hope these last couple of days have started ratcheting up the excitement for you in this card. It has for me. I'll be back tomorrow. Picks and plays. We're doing it as the combined double feature. Worked well last week. I got a bunch of stuff going on tomorrow that I need to limit my time and, and use my time effectively. It's a thing I'm continuing to work on. So I will be back with that. For now, check out the Substack, spencerkite.substack.com. That's where you'll find Keyboard Kimura, all the audio versions of these shows, as well as whatever written material I put out. Subscribe for free for five bucks a month for 50 bucks for the year. Any way you do it is greatly appreciated. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite. Post everything there on both platforms so you can check it out there. Follow the guys at One Bone, onebonebrand.com. Twitter and Instagram, also onebonebrand.com to get all your apparel needs. ESK20 at checkout for 20% off your offer. Thank you to them. Thank you to you. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you're getting excited for the fights. I am. We'll talk to you tomorrow for the picks and plays. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. We'll see you.